Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here this afternoon with David Henderson. Hi, everyone. And um, David, this afternoon, I almost said this morning, this afternoon, we are talking about your sermon from Sunday, June 12th, from Exodus 24, verses 12 to 18, on God's inscrutability. Mm -hmm. That is a vocabulary word. (laughs) It is. (laughs) What exactly do we mean by that? Yeah, I think it's helpful to just take the word scrutiny. And, uh, and then the word in meaning not. So God is, is not able to be scrutinized fully. Just the idea that, that not everything that God does or thinks is available to us in a straightforward way. Hmm. His, he doesn't always explain his actions, but not that we don't, can't fully understand every aspect of who he is and what he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like the way you started off the sermon, like what happens when God doesn't act in reasonable, predictable, or tidy ways. And I'm like, well, I mean, what happened? Yeah. It, we do like to think, okay, I know how God's worked in the past. And so therefore I know exactly how he's going to work in the future and he's going to follow my plan exactly. And that's not always the case. Right. No, no, not at all. And in fact, here, just as a kind of an aside connected to this, Michelle, something I thought about quite a bit is that I think um, all theological constructs like um, Arminianism or Calvinism or whatever. I mean, you could, you could mm-hmm. pick any, any one of those or a bunch of others like it. And, um, and then even all heresy ends up coming down to our trying to take things about God that feel perplexing or, mm. or even contradictory and trying to eliminate the tension. Uh, we, we try to um, eliminate the tension and by doing that, eliminate the mystery and tidy God up. Mm. Uh, so which is it? Is it election or do I have a choice? Well, the scriptures really make it clear that both are true, but yes, but which one? And, and I think we, we want to go to a, a theological system that often means scooting, relegating to one side or the other key truths that don't fit into our system. And I think you can see the evidence of that in so many places. And then Mm. when you insist on eliminating that tension, which was Jesus, was he God or was he man? Well, both, which is Mm. the scripture. Is it God's word or our word? Both. As soon as you eliminate those tensions, Mm -hmm. you move into the realm of heresy. And Mm. uh, so I think, um, you know, this is, we've, we've talked about this before, Michelle, but one of the reasons I spent a little bit of time dwelling on this in the way that I did is that this is so hard for us as evangelicals in particular, because we are so confident 
that this is this is God's revealed word. I could be confident of every single word that is on these pages. I could know that they've come from God's heart mm-hmm. and mind. And, and that leads me to think that because I've got all this, then therefore I should be able to not have any loose ends when it comes to understanding who God is or how he's going to work in any particular given situation. And mm. it's that leap that gets us into trouble. Um, and I think I talked about that of believing we know um, moving from believing we have sufficient revelation about God to believing we have comprehensive revelation about God. That mm. we, we know all that we need to know to, to, we shift to believing we all know, we know all there is to know about God. And that's arrogance and blasphemy. That's just wrong, but it sounds right. so right for us as evangelicals. Yeah. It sounds yeah. so close to what we affirm. Right. And it's, yeah, because we do like to try to eliminate the mystery. Like, no, there's no mystery. We know what we know, what we know. We believe what we believe, what we believe. But the reality is, and, and the reality is there's a lot of mystery. And in the sermon, you outlined the significant tension between um, what the Bible teaches but that the Bible is a faithful, true revelation of God. And yet the Bible also teaches that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we can know God's character, but we can't really know how he's going to act in any given situation. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's really often where the mystery of the inscrutability of God presents itself it's mm-hmm. it's not so much that there are corners of god's nature or character we're going oh i never knew that was there it's really saying how how will the perfect love of god and the perfect holiness of god and the perfect power of god play and perfect wisdom of god play themselves out in this situation where i'm not perfect in any of those areas and mm-hmm. i think that's where we are so often baffled Mm-hmm. And then that creates huge problems for us if we insist that we should be able to understand what God is doing, or even worse, that it should meet our approval before he does it. And that's <laughs> when we get in trouble. That is when we get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I think, um, I, yeah, I'm just reviewing my notes for a second. Um you know, as we talk about the inscrutability of God and we, we know his character, we know his heart, we know his nature, but we cannot always understand his ways. Um, you, you brought up the Psalms and, um, you know, you brought up Psalm 83, I believe. Is that one of the Psalms? Um, you know, and why is God silent? Why isn't he here? Um, and that, and then you brought up, and then you said, well, actually all of the Psalms are about God's inscrutability. And you brought up Psalm 103 um, that says, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, all my inmost being praise his holy name. And it goes on to um, talk about how God works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed and, um, and goes through some of the history of, of Israel and 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 meets our needs and uh, he's healed you. He's forgiven you. He's been there for you. Right. How do you account for any of that? Yeah. And so that was the question that was raised on Sunday morning in our discussion. Like, okay, I get that. I don't understand how he works um, 
in many ways, but um, why should his presence be as inexplicable or un- not understandable as his absence? Hmm. Well, I, I think the, 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 the point that I was wanting to make there is that I think sometimes because of our propensity to put ourselves in the middle mm. and, and we are our, we are the point of reference for everything that happens, everything that God does, that's, that's kind of our default mode. I think we can just assume um, because I exist, I should exist because mm. I exist. Um, God should be mindful of me as his creation because I exist. Um, uh, he should be lavish in his love towards me, but, but why? I mean, there are, mm. there are things that I, I possess, even things I've made. I did a lot of art projects as a kid that are, they ended up in the trash or they're in a box in the attic somewhere, or it's like, you know, I can treat what I create however I want to. I, mm. I and I think there's th- this idea that we can have as human beings that of course, that somehow just by virtue of my existence, I'm, entitled to uh, a life of being provided for and protected and all of that. And I I don't think there's anything that Hmm. necessitates that. I mean, it's fascinating. You look at the animal kingdom. There are so many different parents of animals where they lay an egg or they, um, they give birth to a child and then they just leave. It's like, okay, child, fend for yourself. You know, it's, Hmm. there's, um, this human um, uh, notion that that we are deserving of lavish love is what I was getting at. There's mm. there, there isn't anything that is given or automatic about the way that God God could have just made us and not shown Himself to us. He could have just made us and and he, we could have had a one day long life like some insects do. Why do we have? Mm-hmm. Uh, four score years and 10 as the kind of the biblical way of describing a rich long life that we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it's really more the, the way that we can fall into presumption and assumption that, well, of course, this is how God should treat me. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a profound inscrutability in grace in answer to prayer in kindness in forgiveness. Mm-hmm. What, what accounts for any of those things? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. And I think one of the, um, you know, and I think that that kind of leads into that next point you made in your sermon about, um, you know, the religions in the world are a lot of them, especially at that moment in time in Exodus were let me appease the gods so I can get my way. Um, the gods have to be appeased. I have to manipulate them in order for them to do what I want them to do. And God is showing himself here, especially like, no, I am God and I will do what I am going to do no matter what you say. And I am who I am, no matter what you say, what you think, or, or what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this comes comes back to some of these core human propensities in us where, you know, I, I've had, I, I love conversations with people about who are wrestling with belief and wrestling with doubt. 
And I, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've heard people say essentially because God isn't the way I think he should be. I'm going to reject him. But mm-hmm. whoa, how did you go from here to there? If God is the way he is, then that's reality. You, you don't get to pick and choose what sort of God you want to follow or you want to love. If this is what's true about God, but we, we have this, um, yeah, this inclination that moves us back towards the center. And so the whole idea that, all right, so God exists for me and the way this plays itself out, uh, mm-hmm. there should be no inscrutability in God because I just do what I, I know he's going to like or what he requires. And then that obligates him to do the thing I'm requesting of him. And then I get the outcome I desire. Mystery mm-hmm. gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a simple formula. And mm-hmm. And that this kind of anticipates where we're going, but you know that's a perfect example of, of the, there are two wills involved in any relationship, and that's a great way to it's a great version of how to remove one, the problem of one of those two wills. Well, I just impose my will on God. I just get God to do what I want Him to do. That's the right. entire pagan belief system. Right. Right. And, and absolutely the not the basis of Christian belief system. Yeah. Exactly. Because that is not is yeah because god is god and we are not (laughs) to quote a famous song right um yeah it's one of the things that we started kind of talking about on sunday morning in our discussion group was um you know one of the big questions that comes with God's inscrutability is why does God allow hard things? Why does he allow these hard, you know, these tragedies and the, and he allow, allows people to experience such trauma and, and, and how can that be? Um, and, you know, and I, it, it is this part of the mystery. It's part of the inscrutability that in his perfect love, in his perfect wisdom, in his perfect power, he still allows free will and he allows the pain. Yeah. And, and we, uh, I think we want to think of ourselves as at some level being peers to God. So um, Mm -hmm. if, if God acts in a certain way, it should make sense to me. And and he may even, you know, it needs to meet my approval is something we can fall into so much. Um, so, you know, I think of the, um, we just redid the cover on our deck last summer and came across an ant nest. And I think about what it would be like for me to try to communicate with those ants. Um, mm. Let me tell you, let me tell you why we're moving your nest. And let me explain to you why this ultimately would be a better arrangement for you because of now where your home will be rather than where it is now. And it's like, and the ant just kind of (laughs) how much of that can an ant take in? And I think we we miss the disparity between God who is perfect in his wisdom, who's perfect in his love, perfect in his holiness, trying to explain to creatures who are so limited in our capacity to understand Mm -hmm. compared to the rest of creation. We're not limited. We are at the pinnacle but compared right. to God, we are profoundly limited in our capacity to understand. And, um, and I think there is a, ultimately, I mean, it, I would never say this to a person in pain or suffering or struggle as mm-hmm. I have been at times. Um, 
I would never say this to them in that moment, but there is an arrogance that is at the root of our insisting that, um, that God act in ways that make sense to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So and, one of the things that I, go ahead. Oh, well, somebody said in our discussion, you know, God has declared that he has free will, um, which is one of the things that doesn't make him predictable. And, you know, so that can cause us some anxiety because he has free will. And so he is unpredictable. And yet it is that is also the source of our free will. God made us like him. And so we have free will and it's not in the exact same way because we are not perfect, but we have free will. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, C.S. Lewis calls it the something compliment that I don't remember what it is, where he talks about God loves us so much that he gives us the freedom to make wrong choices. He gives us the freedom to do things that are even contrary to his own will. Yeah. At the heart of the sermon, that kind of middle section where I got kind of really practical, I was talking about, I think so much of the heart of the tension for us when it comes to the inscrutability mm. of God is, um, is this struggle that every relationship has two wills that are operative. So right. um, you and I may want to each do something differently. We have different opinions, different perspectives. And, and now what? The friction and the tension um, would be utterly eliminated if you and I had one will in two bodies that all friction and tension would be gone. Mm. And, and uh, it is God's desire that in our relationship with him, there would only be one will operative, but we think it should be ours. So we tell God what to do. We say, this is, you know, would you answer this prayer in this way? I expect you to respond to the pain in the world in this way or whatever. And then when it doesn't, that mm-hmm. creates tension for us. And, uh, and God absolutely wants there to be one will operative, but it's his will rather than ours. And I think so much of the deepest heart of, of um, or the deepest struggle of moving into the heart of intimacy with God is coming to a place of total relinquishment. God, I'm not going to insist that you line up your will with mine. I want to do everything I can to line up my will with yours. Mm. Tennyson's line, Lord, um, you've given us our will that we might make them yours. Mm. And Jesus, not not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, oh my goodness, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think exactly the same thing. Often, actually. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally lost it. That's really funny. Uh, but I know. I'm like, how? oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> right. That is the beauty, I think, of Jesus's life and death and resurrection is the fact that his life, death and resurrection on this earth allowed the Holy spirit to come into those who follow him and God in me. um, I still have that struggle of my will or God's will. And yet with the Holy Spirit's help, like I can't just surrender it on my own, but with the Holy Spirit's help, I can surrender my will into God's will. 
Yeah, Michelle, I think that's such a great insight. Um, the, and I think that's one of the dramatic differences between the encounter, the experience of Moses and the Israelites with God in the Old Testament and our experience with God in the New Testament mm. is, the, is God himself resides in us by his spirit. And I think that's really significant in two ways. One that you are putting your finger on that I think is so important. What is not possible for me to bring about through my own effort is possible for the spirit of God to bring about in me through his power. Mm -hmm. So my coming to a place of relinquishment and of yielding and of bringing my will in line with God's that, that is a work that the spirit more and more can do in us, which is amazing because I'm thwarted in my efforts to do that every single time without fail. I just cannot do that. I mm -hmm. can't force myself to get in line behind God. I just can't. Mm -hmm. But the spirit, I, I see evidence in so many places in my life over time as I look back of, of that being one of the works that he's bringing about. And then when you add on top of that, Michelle, uh, is it, where is it in first Corinthians one or two, where it talks about our being given the mind of Christ, mm, then mm -hmm. this, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, but we have more access to the way that God thinks and the mind of God through the spirit of God than mm -hmm. Moses and the Israelites did. So even though we still encounter the inscrutability of God, as, as Paul makes clear in in Romans 11, where we, there's so much more of what God is up to that we can understand as we are attentive to how the spirit is working. Mm -hmm. Which reminds me of, um, of a practice we used to, uh, we used to do when my kids were little, which were God sightings. You know, where did you mm -hmm. see God today? Where did you see God at work today? And it, I mean, it could, it could be, oh, I saw the tulips are blooming. Um, and it could be, uh, I was really angry with my sibling and God helped me to apologize, you know? So it could be something small. It could be something big. It could be something visible. It could be something invisible. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when we practice that, um, even now as adults, like, where have I seen God today? Then that can help us um, spot him in ways where he likes to work in that quiet, still, um, you know, sometimes humorous ways uh, that you don't really catch if you're not watching. Yeah, that's right. And uh and it reminds us of even kind of what's at the heart of this whole series is that it is God's desire to make himself known. Yes, he is inscrutable in ways, but mm -hmm. he delights for us to know his heart and to know his character and to know his nature and to be in a place where we can trust him. We're confident in his goodness. We're confident of his care and regard for us. So it's reasonable that we would expect to begin to see this God who who upon his own initiative delights to make himself known. And then when you join that with um, this other thing we were just talking about of how the spirit of God um, gives us the mind of Christ, there's another category we can put in alongside God's sightings and it's be like God's soundings or God hearings or something mm -hmm. where 
the spirit of God speaks to us. I just had a conversation today, which is so fun with a, a, a woman who's part of the covenant family who was talking about a, a way that she felt that God was speaking to her related to a calling into an area of ministry. And it was thrilling to hear her describe that. And mm-hmm. I think that too would be something that more and more we, we should expect to be a normal experience of God. He's speaking to us by spirit. He's making his mind known to us. He, um, you know, less and less as we move, as we move from the um, Old Testament to the New Testament, it should be kind of like, um, like moving from the silent movie era to the talkies, uh, mm. where there's a soundtrack and there are words of explanation uh, of what's going on on the screen. Um, mm. Oh, yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah. I think, um, the, I think you summarized the sermon in this quote in the, that I'm going to read to you. I think this is the sermon in a nutshell, that God will always act in keeping with his goodness. He will not always act in keeping with our expectations. Yep. Certainly my experience. Mine too. Mine too. And one of the stories that I told uh, of some examples of some people who were learning how to experience the goodness of God, even though their expectations were so not met in terms of their circumstances, Mm -hmm. is this story of a man that I spoke about who who, uh, is an athlete, has always been in great shape, and has been experiencing this really debilitating loss of of the use of his limbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, his legs in particular at this point. And, uh, and he, that has been so incredibly painful for him um, as a loss. But this insight that God was just bringing him to is everything that I am allowing to happen in your life, including this loss, mm-hmm. is perfectly designed to fulfill the refining purposes I have to form Christ in you and to draw you nearer to me. And I think Mm. that's the, if we're confident in the goodness of God, we don't have to insist that we understand how God's plans are going to play out because we can know that whatever those circumstances are, that that's something one day I'm going to be able to say. And, and I think that's true for all of us. Mm. uh, I'll never forget Michelle Cornell, who, um, Mm had this lengthy battle with um, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, her telling me um, not long after she contracted the disease, um, I thank God that I um, had this disease because it it has brought me to God and then brought me deeper with him. Hmm. And that's that um, God will always act in keeping with his goodness, but will not always act in keeping with our expectations. And, and yeah, the, the heart of the yeah. Christian life is us, in a sense, it's kind of a strange way to say it, but giving God permission to be God. Yeah. And I think that those hard things, the tragedies, you know, the, the di- unwanted diagnoses, the, you know, all these hard things that are in our life, they reveal our heart, mm-hmm. you know? So when I'm, when I know in my life, when I've been faced with really difficult things, I mean, it could just be, you know, three 
three babies up every hour of the night for the whole night. And then now, Oh, yep. My husband has to go to work the next day and I'm, Mm -hmm. I still have to function. Uh, even though I haven't slept all day. I mean, you know, that's a real issue that I have to deal with. And that reveals my heart. I could be angry about it, or I can just ask God for his strength and for his patience to be evident in me as I deal with, with the overtired children as an overtired mom, you know, simple as that to facing, um, you know, the tragedies in our country that, that so many people have been facing. Um, I don't understand why I don't understand why it happened, but it reveals my heart. Um, and in a absolutely, and this is part of the inscrutability of God in an absolutely mysterious way, ultimately over time, it reveals the goodness of the heart of God too. the way he lets those things come into our lives in, in a refining, inviting, sanctifying, mm-hmm. glorifying way. And, mm-hmm. So I, my kids are up all night and I'm up all night and I'm exhausted and it reveals my heart. I cry out to God for help, but also there's a way in which I can go. And you know what? I can kind of see God's design in allowing mm-hmm. one after the other, after the other wake up because of the work he's wanting to do in me, because of how he wants me to trust him more deeply, because of how he wants me to be more Jesus-like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. where the, the goodness gets put on display, even in the mystery. Yes, absolutely. Any last thoughts? No, I mean, this is a huge thing. I mean, I, I think um, there's, there's no part of this conversation that can be had uh, at a memorial service. Yes. Uh, where you're. Yeah, we can't we can't go backwards from the inscrutability of God and say, and therefore here's uh, here's a tidy explanation for your loss or your struggle. Or I mean, we can't do that. That's um, right. But but I think this is something that brings profound comfort to us in our own reflection outside of those screaming moments of crisis where we just feel deep pain and throw ourselves upon God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God will not, God will always act in keeping with his goodness. He will not always act in keeping with our expectations. Hmm. Thank you for your time today, David. Thank you, Michelle. Always a joy. And thank you to our audience who've joined us, um, whether you joined us live on Facebook Live or later on our podcast or on our blog. We are thankful for the time that you've spent with us today. Have a great day. 